For Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. I'm happy. I love doing this, folks. I love to get with you on Sunday evenings and talk about all things you biblical. How giddy Glad he, to have he, you along. Looks right now, I and mean, is while talking about the Bible. <laughs> and why shouldn't he be? Yeah, this this book of books. I tell you, folks, we're, we're now um, glad to have you along. This is the Soapster. You can give us a call 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. Do we have an eight hundred number as well? Is somebody calling from out of the city? Of course, they could still... Oh, not off that, the top of my head. That's still a good number, though. No, that's all right. They just have to put in the area code there, 210-340. Sure. Just, just, just in case. we got folks that listen to us from across the country and hey, around Soapy? the world in reality. I don't know how the around the world thing would work. But Hey, Soapy, uh-huh. just, just before we went on the air, you and I were talking about this might uh, please some of the uh, listeners that are out there, but some of the churches out here are... Uh, in San Antonio are starting to reopen. My, uh, I'm Episcopalian, and my church uh-huh. uh, is going to actually open on the 14th. And so we're going to actually have all services right. yeah, in church. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be different, you know. Communion's going to be a little different. We're all going to be wearing masks and, you know, <laughs> and, and stuff. And we're not shaking hands. Well, there's all and, kinds of jokes to be made about this. But, okay, we want, especially if you're taking the offering with a mask on. I mean, you know, really, come on. Well, we're going to have a plate up front <laughs> where when people co- go for communion, they they can leave something there instead yeah. of people touching and yeah yeah from pew to pew and all that kind of stuff. Oh, it'll be different for uh, you know I don't know now if we have a resurgence of the uh, the illnesses way. and so on. Who knows what'll happen? To, I mean, I I have no idea what uh, this is all. Uh, all bets are off, right? This, <laughs> this is we're in uncharted territory but at here. Least we're, at least things are starting to kind of creep in that direction towards yeah. nor- towards normalcy. Well, unless there's some kind of, I would say, uh, some kind of extraordinary, and it would have to be, it would have to be just kind of a little beyond the normal idea 
of infections and so on. I mean, I, I sure. suppose they had to go b- beyond the idea of the flu, right? Right, right. Now, the, 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 the flu already every year takes so many lives and sure. so many people get ill and a percentage. And I believe, if I understand the data that's coming out, uh, the the incidences of the coronavirus and then resulting in death and so on it is, if I understand correctly, far less. I don't know. We hit the. I know we hit the hundred thousand uh, uh, mark on 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 deaths this week. Or yeah. This past week. Uh, it, but but it, uh, the other distinctive of it, I suppose, is that this seems to affect. Uh, the the elderly, right. um, my, my group, it's ten, it oh, my seems parents, to yeah. it seems to affect our our particular age group more, and not even so much the age thing because you hear of a hundred year old people overcoming it. Sure, but sure. it has to do more with the idea the, the degree of health. If you have underlying health problems and issues, if you have uh, if your Not immune shape. system is compromised sure, in some sure. way, then you would be more uh, susceptible to uh, you know to be hit harder by this virus or any other virus for that matter. So get plenty of rest and eat well. I guess <laughs> is what we're saying. Eat well, get your exercise and so on, and be ready for heaven. Yes, well, <laughs> you know we can't was, forget that 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 the, you are we are not intended ultimately for this world anyway. And sure, I don't care sure, how we well you have an expiration date. Uh, you bet you. I don't care how well you take care of yourself or how young you are. I mean, there are no guarantees. I, uh, I, I'd like to think though, if there is a second wave in the next few months, that we'd be better prepared for it. Maybe, mm-hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe we wouldn't panic so greatly. We know more right, now. The fear of, there's always a fear of the unknown. Kind yeah, of element. yeah. We we have more information now. So so we, we probably, I hope, could take it with a little bit uh, more understanding and uh, wisdom involved. But, uh, oh, we're not over this. I will be talking about this for, what, at least 10, 20 years, I think. Politicians will be getting blamed. It's going to be in the history books. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our grandkids, grandkids, grandkids are Without a doubt. learning about it. It's going to be there. The Spanish flu was, you know, polio was. I mean, they, there have been other pandemics, other, other diseases and so on um yeah we'll, we'll see what happens but at any rate what your news your news is good news i think that the the world is getting back to, well i just know about about the church i attend which yeah. is uh, st luke's down well, the way well it's true of many many others across the city as well now our work at lackland with them with the basic trainees in the air force that's going to be uh, maybe a little longer there's they're taking great care with our men and women in uniform uh, they've begun to, uh, for the first time in many, many years, actually decades, basic some basic training is taking place somewhere besides San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio has been the gateway to the Air Force for decades, and now we're a military city, USA. For yeah, exactly. Well, now they are some, uh, especially those who are going to do their tech training. See, they go from basic training into their tech training to bases all over the country. And we already were sending a pretty good number of our basic trainees uh, to Mississippi, to um, Keesler. And uh, so they have established, they have been sending a good number of the basic trainees, especially those who were going to be assigned to tech training in Keesler. They've already begun to send them. And it looks like, according to some of the newspapers this past week, uh, it looks like they're going to continue to send at least some basic trainees uh, for the basic training in, at Keesler, but San Antonio will still be the primary 
um, starting point for those uh, enlisted young men and women who are going into the United States Air Force. And sooner or later, we're going to get back to our religious education classes and meeting with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of them every year and helping to share the good news, God's love, and, and share the gospel and, and build up young believers into strong young disciples. So we'll get back to it. I know I'm, I'm trusting that we're going to get there, but we're not we're lagging a bit, but we're be very busy during these times. We are we've done a, a a great deal of ministry while we're waiting. We're we're upgrading and renewing and um, our 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 curriculum. We're d- bringing up the quality. We're bringing in some new uh, material. We're kind of beefing it up a little bit. So there's a lot of good things we we've been able to do <coughs> during this period of time. But there, all that being said. It'll take care of itself. We're going to go in, and we're going to go forward, uh, God, uh, until Jesus comes. We're going to be here being active, being being busy, uh, doing what God has called us as his people to do. And one of the things I want you folks to know out there in Radio Land is what is this program, The Bible Live, all about? Now, there are a lot of programs about the Bible. And, and uh, there are programs that, you know, they're, they're t- great, great preachers, wonderful teachers, um, going through the scriptures. None of them are going through every verse. We're actually reading to you every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation or all the way to the maps, as they say. So you can stay with us, uh, in the Bible Live. Uh, we, we Our objective is to help you help you get to know this book and the God of the book. Now, listen, there are 66 books written over a period of 1,500 years by 40 different authors, all those different times, different eras, different situations, times of war, times of peace, times of plenty, times of famine, uh, all kinds of different languages, all of these situations. And so uh, if you get down into the weeds, if you get down into the details, oh, this book is, is... yeah, it's unending. You you could you could study this book every day of your life and and read it, and I, at the end of a lifetime, you still would be learning things. You'd still be learning things about about God, about ourselves, about history, about what's going on. Now, the particular focus I have uh, with you in the Bible Live is I want I want you to understand some really big important truths about God, about the Scriptures, about how God has revealed Himself, and about our human condition. These are are basic truths that that the Bible lays out, that if you understand them, then you're ready, you would be capable of reading the Bible, and and you'll, you'll be able to pick out a lot of those details about, you know, about how we should live, and how we're to treat each other and that sort of thing. And those are very important, and they're very valid. Uh, but there are, there are great teachers uh, in detail and pastors, our great pastors. That's what they're there trying to teach and get you into the Word. And, uh, of course, we ultimately you don't want to depend on anyone else to be telling you uh, definitively what the Bible says. You you've got God's word. You have a copy of God's word. They're very they're available to you, and you can get God's word and read it. and And you can be a learner, and uh, you can be deep in the understanding of God's words. And you can be that teacher. You can be that one that helps others uh, grow in their faith. What I want to focus on, though, basically, is the the big 
the big picture and what's going on through the Bible, uh, these major points and major issues. Who is God? What is he like? What are his ways? Uh, what is his redemptive plan? How has it rolled out over through the centuries? And and so that we you can recognize it. When you read your Bible, you'll see uh, behind every verse and under every story, there is this there is this underlying story, the redemptive narrative that is taking place. Every story you see has some has some relationship to that underlying redemptive plan of God to send uh, a Messiah, a Redeemer, a Savior. Uh, it talks about God's love to us, and almost every verse, every page, there's some expression of God's care and love for his creation, for humanity. And it talks about the problem of sin. There's no doubt the Bible the Bible confronts head on that there is a problem, that hum, human beings uh, are sinful. We're prone to wander. We're selfish. There's a selfish instinct within us uh, that causes us to, um, to be fearful and to causes us to do things and act and behave uh, in ways that God would not want. But we also know that, that there is a Redeemer, there is a Savior, there is forgiveness, there is cleansing, and there is renewal, there's restoration. God is at work within us, a new creation. We become new people in Christ, in the Lord. And then we talk about how you can make that step, how you can become a, a follower, a child of God and a follower of Christ. I spoke with a – had to get my car worked on this week. John, last Sunday, as you remember, uh, we had uh, – was that – the hail was last Sunday? No, that was probably on Monday or Tuesday, wasn't it? Wednesday? Yeah. I, we got hit. We got hit. Yeah, we got heavy rain. I remember that. But we got hit by the hail. It broke, through, broke our roof, broke the skylights on my house. It busted out the windshield on my little my little putt-putt, you know, my little Kia Rio that I drive around in. So I've had to get my windshield repaired this week and got a chance to share and visit with a, a, a woman who's just led a rich life and uh, born and raised in California and come here and she she and her family have, they own the uh, the glass company that was putting repairing the auto glass in my car and I got a chance to talk to her about the Lord and encourage her and and uh, it just uh, it's one of those things we were talking she said you know what uh, I, I, all my life, I kind of been involved with religion, you know. But she said, "I didn't know a lot of the things you're telling me. I didn't, I didn't know those things." And and I, and that's what that's where I'm trying to focus, folks, and not not on the, you know, the the smaller issue. Not, I say smaller; they're important. But you know, what we do this, don't do that. How we treat people and that sort of thing. Those things are important. How we're to live as God's people. But I want to focus on helping you to understand the big picture, the the broad strokes of what God is doing and how to know God, and then uh, enable and equip you, therefore, to be able to read that Bible and understand those scriptures uh, for sure. Now we're in the book of this past week, uh, past weeks, I guess, a couple to three weeks. We've been in the books of. Uh, Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles. We're uh, this past week. Our reading schedule had us in reading First Chronicles chapter twenty-five, and we continued right on forward into Second Chronicles chapter eighteen. Now, this is a great book, uh, an example of kind of what I'm talking about. Is that a lot of people, if they start reading the Bible, let's say they pick up their Bible and say, "I'm going to read." I always wanted to read the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible. 
And they pick, let's say they happen to pick up the book of Chronicles, and they come to it, and they start reading it, and, and immediately they're going to go, what is, what is this? The first nine chapters, all about genealogies. This one begat that one, and this one is the son of that one, and this family and that family. And, it, and a lot of people, uh, you know, they read the book of Leviticus about the priesthood and about this detail and that detail and the and the uh, the the clothing that the priest was to wear and the and the the shape and the design of the tabernacle and so on, and and people go, oh man, I don't know what is, is that all it's all about. If they don't know the context, if they don't know the bigger picture of who God is and what He's doing and how He's doing it, then they're going to be they're going to be boy, I tried to read the Bible once, but boy, I I couldn't get it. There's just a bunch of these genealogies and so on. So uh, we've been we've been in the book of Chronicles. I'm, I'm going to step back though, quickly. And I'm going to tell you uh, how to view the gene- the genealogies. The, those first nine chapters, they talk about these people. Now, I've already told you the books of First and Second Chronicles is a selected history. It's not like the books of First and Second Samuel or the First and Second Kings that are actually uh, history in the classical sense, a history of that era, who the king was of Israel, who the king was in Judah, how the kingdom divided after the king Solomon, you know, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and then you get the how each of the kings behaved after that. And then we went over this last week about how then the ten tribes in the north were defeated and taken into exile and never to return, actually, never to be reconstituted as a nation. The ten tribes of the, the ten northern tribes were taken by the Assyrian Empire with their capital in Nineveh. And that was seven twenty two BC. These are some of these some of these dates are real key for you to understand because the whole book is about how 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 humanity began in the book of Genesis, God began to work with men and women, God's calling out of the human race a people for himself. That's the overriding purpose of our human existence on planet Earth. God, the creator, is calling out of, a, out of the human race the people for himself, those who de- desire him, love him, respond to him, and want to be part of the people of God, want to know God, want to love God, want to obey God, want to be his people. God is calling us, and he's made a way for us to be reconciled from every tribe, every language, every every generation, every age group. Uh, God is calling men and women to himself all during our life on planet Earth. The opportunity is there to to die to ourself, our selfishness, and I'm living for myself, and I, you know, I'm my own God, or I make up my own gods, or I'm going to uh, I'm going to seek and, and follow after the true and living God, the Creator of the un- and sustainer of the universe. So God is calling out a people for Himself all through the human experience, all through human history. That is ultimately that's the biggest activity that's taken place. It's not hasn't got to do with empires rising and falling necessarily. It ha- doesn't have anything to do with with uh, oh I, I don't know what can I say the. Uh, language groups or wealth or prosperity. All of those things are important. They have their place. But the ultimate reality going on on planet Earth is that the Creator is calling out of the human race, uh, men and women from uh, you know Native Americans, Apache, Jer- <laughs> Cherokee, Comanche tribes all over the uh, Native peoples all through these years, calling people from every nation, every Japanese people, Chinese people, uh, Honduran people, uh, Guatemaltecos, uh, Mexicanos, uh, 
Chinese, I said that, Russians, I mean, Europeans from every country, every language, every God is revealing himself to every human being on planet Earth, and he's calling us out to himself, calling them to, and those who desire him and respond with faith and longing toward him, God applies the whole work of redemption, the finished work, you know, expressed and finally seen in the life and and ministry, uh, the death, resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. He applies the full atoning work of the Messiah to their life, and they they are brought into the people of God. But then as well, God continues to give more light. He sends a missionary. He sends a witness, a pastor, or someone. He he floats a a gospel tract to them, or they find a Bible. Or God is going to continue to reveal himself more. uh, The more, if we respond to the light we have received, he applies the full work of the gospel to us, and he promises to give us more light. He to whom much is given, much is re- required, but when, as well, he, uh, when we respond to what we've received, he is faithful and good to give us more. So that, that's what's going on. Now, if we look at the books of the Chronicles, this is a special history. Uh, uh, it, this is a, a um, what we call a selected history. Uh, Ezra, a... a a scribe, uh, 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 the people of Israel were in captivity. They were in exile over in Babylon. And uh, Ezra was there. Uh, Nehemiah was there in this particular era. This is the, the, early, uh, the early part of the 5th century. Um, the 70 years of exile are dated from 586 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians destroyed uh, Jerusalem and, and the temple and took the people uh, during that era. The many thousands were taken uh, to, to Babylon. Uh, into exile, 70 years of exile. That ended in 515 when the altar and the temple were completed. Uh, They were allowed to go back to uh, Israel, the people uh, were, and uh, in three or four different journeys and people that made it, somewhere around four or 5,000 people, it seems, made that journey in different, different caravans. And they begin. Now, Ezra is among them, and Ezra is the one who writes this selected history, drawing from the books of the Kings and Samuel and other books of history they had. He drew from those and from from historical records they had, the family records and so on. And he put together this selected history to, uh, with several purposes in mind. In the first place, these people. Generally speaking, he's writing the books of the Chronicles so that these people returning to Israel, these men and women, uh, people of Israel, uh, converts. And now this is not an ethnic thing. This is not a uh, kind of a Jewish thing in the sense of ethnicity or or uh, bloodlines, because people of Israel were from all different bloodlines. There were people from every different nationality and tribe, con- converts to those who converted and entrusted in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were brought into Israel, like Ruth, uh, like Rahab, like others that we read about all through here. They became part of the people of God. Well, they, but but of course, culturally, they this group did have a special experience of God. Uh, this people group, God had revealed Himself to them. He had involved Himself in their lives and their history, and so. Ezra now is reminding this people who had come back to the Israel, he's reminding them of who they are, reminding of uh, confirming for them God's calling on their lives and his special purpose for Israel, the people of God, uh, not only his special purpose 
same special purpose he has for all of us as the people of God. We are now part of Israel. We've been grafted in and as, as the people of God. He was reminding them of God's calling on them and his purpose for Israel, particularly in their era, in their time when they lived. Uh, they are being called to be a witness to the world. They were to be a witness of the one true and living God, the creator, the monotheistic, little monotheistic island in the midst of a world of of idolatry and polytheism and false gods. They were to be this constant, consistent, faithful witness to the true and living God. And sometimes they did it well, and sometimes they didn't do it so well. Uh, But but that was their calling, and, and Ezra is reminding them of that. And also he's reminding them that they are to be the channel of blessing for the Messiah. So the genealogies in the book of Chronicles, they take on a purpose. He's telling these people that made this trip back to Israel, he's reminding them that you are men and women of purpose. You are men and women of significance. You are part of the the people of God. You've been called to be a witness, to be faithful to our God in the world. And and, and, And through us, through as a people group, God is going to bring the Messiah the savior the the one that we wait for so that's part of the that's part of the purpose of the book of chronicles and then secondly they are a they are a, content, a continuation of that plan in other words now they are the people this is their moment to shine this is their moment to be faithful and to be to be a witness to the world and carry that blessing and be a a, a a conduit a channel of blessing to the other peoples of the world, knowing that God is going to bring the Messiah through them. He's brought them back to Israel. See how big a thing that is? Why? Because the Messiah has to be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah has to be of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Davidic line. And they are uh, they are the ones through which God is going to send the Messiah. So they these people are being reminded by Ezra that they have a specific purpose, that they uh, are a people of purpose and significance in the redemptive plan of God uh, in, in their own lives and for the world around them. And finally, they're being the genealogies tell us that individuals are important. God's not, not interested in the great movements and the great groups of people. He names people by name. And your name is being taken down. If you belong to God, you're part of the people of God. Your role in your life is important in the redemptive plan of God. And, and then, of course, the rest, a lot of the book tells us more about what God is like, who he is, and what are, what are his ways, and how we as God's people are to live. So you can see the, the book of Chronicles is no exception to all the other books of the Bible. They continue that lineage and so on. I'm going to come back in just a bit after we this short break, and we're going to uh, ask some questions from chapters 25 through into Second Chronicles, kind of get you involved, and hopefully... Um, pick up some more real tips about what is the purpose of God for us in the books of the Chronicles and in the Scriptures as a whole. You can always give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question. Maybe 210-340-9585. We'll be right back. Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. 
What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun. The failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Cause that's what my father does. There we are back. We are back. Thank you for being with us. Uh, let's Father's house got me so wrapped up in the song. I forgot what I was doing here. <laughs> we are making our way now through the books of First and Second Chronicles. Um, I've given you a little bit of a background of what the genealogies, what Chronicles is all about, what Ezra is trying to remind the people of. This past week we read chapters twenty-five, First Chronicles chapter twenty-five. Right on into Second Chronicles chapter eighteen. So we read that through that through that passages, and, and of course this is the way it works. You you can now go instead of hearing it on the radio Monday through Friday, you go to um, our website or you go to the station's website there uh, at am six thirty the word dot com am six thirty the word dot com and you can go to the podcast and there you'll find all of our bible readings starting way back in the last uh, last year in 2019 um late november i guess when we began the book of genesis so you can go there pick up and you'll see where we are now and you can just pick up right now with us start listening every weekday Monday through Friday, go to the podcast, uh, and you can go not on, not only to the radio station, but you can go to our website, thebiblelive.com, the Bible Live. We're going to help that Bible come alive to you, make sense to you, and be such a great source of blessing and encouragement for your life and, and for your loved ones, your family, that you can, you can get to know the God of the Bible, and you can grow and know Him. It's be so satisfying. For you, so you can go to am six thirty the word dot com or the bible live dot com, and you'll find in both cases you go where it says the podcast. You go to it, you'll find all of our readings, and if you want to go pick up on the, some past readings and catch up a bit, you can certainly do that, or just start listening where we are now uh, this week. Every every weekday, go to thebiblelive dot com. Listen, there's a good fifteen to twenty minute reading from the scriptures, uh, from the books of First, Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. That's where we are now. But you'll see clearly design, uh, notated there the the passages we're reading straight through the Bible. We read uh, alternatingly between the Old Testament, the Tanakh, and the Hebrew Scriptures, and 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 with the books of the New Testament as well. So we kind of back and forth. We um, alternate between the Old and New Testaments. It's a tremendous reading plan. It really is. And I know you'll be blessed and enjoy it. Um, anyway, this you go to it this coming week, and you'll read. Uh, you'll find some readings from Second Chronicles, the finishing the book of Second Chronicles, and you'll be ready for next Sunday's program, because what we do on Sunday night is I ask you some questions, I make some observations, I try to give a little bit of insight into those passages that we've read, um, just helping you remember some of the details and, and some questions uh, that you can answer and have some fun with uh, here on the radio program. You can give us a call, 210-340-9585, 210 210- 
340-9585. I'd love to hear from you here, wherever you're hearing the program. Uh, be a part, call in, ask a question yourself about the Bible, about this whole this whole idea of uh, knowing God in a personal way, what that means, and and maybe you have a question about the Scriptures. Or, uh, about, or maybe you have just a, a, a word of testimony, or just a word of, of encouragement, or something that how the Scriptures have blessed you and helped you. Uh, or maybe you just want to tell us a little bit about your experience now with the coronavirus and how things are going in your part of the world and your family and your world, your job. And, and uh, if you have a prayer request or something that we can just visit with you, we'd love to hear from you about uh, how God's people are, are faring. And what, what are you thinking? What is God doing? What is your thought about what God is doing in the midst of this? This is not a surprise to God, uh, this uh, coronavirus and uh, Wuhan and how it came, you know, and so on, and how it's developed worldwide pandemic and so on. This is not a surprise to God. It didn't catch him off guard. Uh, There's a reason. There's something that God is accomplishing in and through and with us as his people here in this nation, around the world. What are some of your thoughts about this? What, What might God be doing? Uh, in our own world, in our own city, perhaps. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You and your family have certainly talked about talked about this, prayed about this. Uh, maybe your pastors preached a little bit about it. What do you think all of this means to us as God's people? Uh, what should we take away from it? So give me a call, 210-340-9585. Okay, so... Um, let me see here. I've got some questions that we also read Psalms 85 through 81 through 85. Psalms 81 through 85 this past week were part of our readings. And so because we read through the, the Psalms and the Proverbs uh, as a part of our Bible reading each day, it's called the Wisdom and Worship segment. And so we, we, we could get a couple of questions or so out of that as well. But uh, let me give you some questions coming from the books of First and Second Chronicles. Now, in, in, let's start in First Chronicles twenty-five. There, as you know, there was a there are something is being reconstituted there in Israel now in the time of Chronicles, and uh, and this was that uh, it's something that David had set up for worship schedule in the in the temple. Uh, jo, uh, David had organized the priests. So that they they were divided into twenty twenty four rotation shifts, and they they would work in shifts uh, doing their work in the temple, and so David was the one that brought that about. And, and uh, but there's another group of people that were also divided into twenty four rotation uh, shifts under David. And that were the musicians. Remember, David himself was not only a great warrior, a leader of men. But he himself was a musician, and he had organized those uh, musicians to lead worship, to guide the people into times of worship and uh, and in their uh, time to acknowledge God and worship God and, and seek God's face. And so the musicians were also divided, and, and Ezra reminds them that in chapter 25. Now, what happened, uh, as uh, David tried to move the... Ark of the Covenant, this this gold box uh, that w- represented uh, the, the the very presence of God Himself in the midst of His people, it was there in the the 
tabernacle all those many years through the wilderness and so on, and in the time of the judges. And then uh, David uh, wanted to build a temple, but he was not allowed. Uh, his son jo- uh, Solomon was the one that was uh, was able to build the temple. Uh, David contributed heavily to it. But David uh, tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, uh, where it had been uh, with the tabernacle and all. He was trying to move it to Jerusalem. And remember, they had a very uh, hard time getting it done. Somebody, in fact, is one man lost his life because he reached out and touched the Ark of the Covenant as it was falling. It was being carried in an improper way. And most of you know this story, I think. And uh, Uzzah reached out to touch it and steady the, and he, he was, he was killed. He lost his life. Doesn't mean he, he doesn't mean he was judged for eternity. And so he may have been a godly, faithful person. He may be with God in glory, but uh, the earthly consequences of his action was he disobeyed God's commands, and his he lost his life. Now David was, of course, heartbroken and disappointed about this, uh, and so they they put the Ark of the Covenant after that. They moved the Ark of the Covenant into a private home. And my question to you is, do you remember um, whose home the Ark of the Covenant was put into? The Ark of the Covenant was entrusted into the family of someone. And do you remember what family it was that kept the Ark of the Covenant in their home? And then you, what we find out is that family was blessed in a very, very special way by God for their faithfulness, uh, their willingness and faithfulness to house the Ark of the Covenant for some time. So um, I'm going to ask you those two questions. Who, what family was it? Who was the head of that family that uh, were entrusted to keep the Ark of the Covenant? And then what was the consequent? What was the blessing that God poured out on this man uh, and his family? I'll put it that way. So that's found. all of that is found in First Chronicles chapter 26. Uh, you can also look at Second Samuel. Uh, the same incident is, carried, is shown to us in the book of Second Samuel, chapter 6, verse 12. So who is the man who was entrusted with the Ark of the Covenant, and what was the blessing that he experienced. Okay, now let's go on. Um, What did David do that caused the other leaders of Israel to give generously to help build the temple? People were given the opportunity to give an offering. You know, they all, we think of offerings as a modern development, you know, when they pass the plate in our churches and so on. Uh, no, no, people were always given the opportunity to give, to be a part of God's work and God's people and to help support God's servants as they serve the community. So uh, we, I want to ask you this. What did David do that caused the other leaders of Israel to give generously to help build the temple, did he hold a gun to their head, or you know, a sword, or did he threaten them? What did what did David do that caused the other leaders of Israel to give generously to help build the temple? Uh, all right, if you can answer that question, give me a call two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. Now here is a who am I question. God offered to me anything I requested. 
So I ask for wisdom to rule properly over my people. Who am I? God offered to me, and I might say in a dream, God offered to me anything that I request. He said, anything you ask for, I'll give you. So I ask for wisdom to rule properly over my people. Who am I? Look in Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, if you want to find the answer to that question. Second Chronicles. Now we're in the book of Second Chronicles now. Chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Who was that one who asked for wisdom to rule over God's people? Now let me see. Get another question. That phone number is 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. Keeping my eye on the phone, I'd love to see it light up with your phone call. Uh, answer a question, tell me a little bit about maybe even uh, what you think God's doing, about your, what the Scriptures have meant to you. Maybe you have a question about the Bible, about God's Word. Maybe you have a question that I can possibly help with. It would be my joy and my delight to try to give a, at least an, a fresh view or another idea that might help you find that answer that you've been kind of looking for and wondering about from the Scriptures. Give us a call, 210-340-9585. Now, when the temple was finally built in Jerusalem, it was built on a mountain. Maybe you didn't know this. The temple in Jerusalem was built on the same mountain where Abraham had almost sacrificed his son Isaac many centuries before. This was that same mountain. What was the name of the mountain? All right. Look in Second Chronicles Chapter 3, verse 1. Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem on the same mountain where Abraham had almost sacrificed his son Isaac many centuries before. Maybe you remember that story. God said, uh, get up, take your son, and and uh, go to this certain place, this mountain, and uh, and offer up your son. And he was called upon to offer up his, sac- his son as a sacrifice. And in essence, he did. <laughs> He took that son of promise that God had given him, Isaac. Remember, he had to wait 25 years for the promise that he would have a son of his own uh, with Sarah before the promise was came to be a reality. And remember, it was part of the promise that I'm going to make of you a great nation uh, and, and bring the Redeemer. You're going to be the uh, through your many nations and kings, and, and one will be the king whose rule will be forever. And so... God had given him this promise through this son of promise, his only his only uh, child with Sarah, and then he says he wants him to go up and, and offer him as, a, as as an offering, as a sacrifice. And Abraham, lo and behold, he was willing to do it. In, in essence, he did. He, he you know he didn't really didn't really God paused, stopped him before he plunged the knife into his son, but uh, he had made the decision. He believed that God was going to do a greater miracle, maybe raise his son from the dead or something. We're told in the book of Hebrews that that went through his mind. But he trusted God and obeyed God. What was the name of the mountain on which he almost sacrificed his son? This is the same mountain that the temple in Jerusalem, um, the temple was to be built there in Jerusalem. Uh, So answer that question, what mountain was it? Let me have another question, a detailed question about uh, this idea of the temple being there in Jerusalem. 
at, at the the I'm sorry the the Ark of the Covenant and being in the temple there, and David had purchased a property. You can read about it in Second Chronicles chapter three. David purchased a property from uh, Arauna. The Jebusite. The Jebusites were the people that lived in Jerusalem before uh, David and the people of Israel conquered it and took it. Uh, the Jebusites. Well, uh, Arauna the Jebusite owned this property, and David bought this property. What was the property used for before David purchased it and before the temple was built over it? Do you know what it was? What what use? was this particular property that David purchased from Arauna the Jebusite. All right? The answer is 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. I'm giving you some interesting questions to answer, so if you know the answer, give us a call, 210-340-9585. And I'm giving you the verse. I'm giving you the passage where it's found. If you can uh, look it up real quick, give us a call. This is an open book test. There's no uh, you can You can don't mind at all if you look it up. But give us a call, 210-340-9585, if you'd like to answer some of these questions. Um, oh, here's a little bit of a trivia question, right? John would love this. He, he just, oh, he just looked up. He's a, John is the trivia king of our, well, you, he's, he's won competitions, and, or at least participated in them, <laughs> about trivia. He's, he's the master of these. What is the one occasion... There was one time recorded in Scripture when priests other than the high priest were allowed to enter the most holy place. Remember, the temple, like the tabernacle, had three different areas. Uh, one was, uh, let me see, <laughs> okay, I'm forgetting. Um, the tabernacle had the entry, had the, let me see, the holy place and the most, the holy of holies, uh, the, the the outer uh, there, I'm, I'm not remembering the outer uh, area, what it was called. But the, it had these three seg- sections as well. Uh, outside the tent, uh, and then when you got into the tent of meeting in the center, there was it was divided into the holy place and the most holy place. And so uh, what is there was no one allowed into the most holy place, the holy of holies. Uh, only one person was ever allowed to go into the holy of holies, and that only on one day of the year. Maybe you'd like to fill us in a little bit on that. What day of the year was the high priest allowed to enter the most the most holy place? There was only one time a year. What what occasion was it? And then in chapter 5 verse 7 of 2nd Chronicles, we find recorded the one occasion recorded in scripture when priests other than the high priest were allowed to enter the most holy place. Okay, if you can give me an answer to that question, what was that occasion? Uh, in chapter 5, verse 7 of Second Chronicles. All right, that, whew, there's a lot of questions there for you. Uh, you can give us a call. I would love for someone to join me here on The Bible Live and give me an answer, talk a little bit about these things, uh, uh, these uh, details now. All of these questions will lead to tell us something a little deeper about God, about God's ways, about the redemptive plan of God. These are designed to they 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 have a significance. the The answer to these questions is significant and important 
uh, in our understanding of who God is, what He's doing, and uh, you know what the Bible is. the The whole Bible, the entire Bible, is really all about. So, give me a call if you'd like to answer a question. Two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. Now, there's another story. While you're calling or thinking about calling, let me. Um, let me. Oh, the wonderful. There's a wonderful verse that we look about in Second Chronicles chapter five. Uh, it's a verse that is quoted so very, very often today, even uh, in our churches, in our congregations, in our prayer gatherings. It's that wonderful verse, Second Chronicles five seventeen. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. God says, then I will hear their prayer, and I will heal their land. Let me see if I can find it real quickly. Second Chronicles 5.17. Um, uh, 7.14, I'm sorry. I got the wrong verse. How can I forget that? This is such a famous verse. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 14, he said, I'm going to start back in in verse 12. Uh, God appeared to Solomon in the night, and he says, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. In other words, it says, if, you, if my people are unfaithful and they sin against me, I will discipline them. I will, things will happen that will call them back to me, that will remind them uh, to, to obey me, to trust me. And he said, then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God promises, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place, for I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. Now, do you know what the temple of God is today? We are the temple of God. God dwells in the hearts and lives of his people. Your body is a temple, as Paul says in the New Testament. So we, we are a temple of God. And in the same way, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. So God is looking to his people. If you want to know, uh, is God judging America? Is God going to judge America? I, I think it's pretty clear we're already being judged. We're already being disciplined as a people, as a nation. But the key is the people of God. It's not, it's not the people who don't know God. It's not the people who uh, haven't trusted in God and rebelling against God and living against God. That's not going to be the key to how God treats us as a nation. The key is he looks to his people. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this temple. That's us, the people of God. Uh, and, and if we will pray, humble ourselves, and turn from our wicked way, then God will bring blessing, forgiveness, and, and healing and restoration to our land. So we can, I believe with all my heart, we can take that as a proud of a promise to us. The principle is there for us as the people of God. That beautiful passage, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. We see that in our readings this past week. Uh, it only takes that we can learn from 
to get a fire going. Experiencing God's blessings. That's what it's all about. So, uh, well, there, our second segment is already up. I want to remind you of our phone number, 210 210- Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Uh, we read the books of First and Second Chronicles. We've asked you some questions from those books. Uh, if you'd like to give us a call, uh, I can repeat any question for you. We'll get back to it, and I'd love to have your thoughts, your impressions, and uh, maybe we can just talk a little bit about what the Book of Books says and what do you think it means for us today. Don't go away. Now we'll be back just after some brief messages. When all the trees are. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. With God's love, once you've experienced it, you want to sing. It's fresh like spring. You want to pass it on. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Breathe on me, O breath of God. There are a number of our hymns in our congregations uh, across the city that we have, a lot of us have hymns that relate to them. Breathe on me, the breath of God, you know, the, the idea of the Spirit of God is, is cited in that particular song. So here we are back. Our last segment, 210-340-9585. That's our phone number. So if you'd like to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. Just It's as easy as... as Two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five, and our friend Harold is giving us a call tonight. And I'm so glad to visit with you, Harold. What's up in your part Hi. of the world? Well, I found your number. Good for you. Thank you. Rescue. <laughs> this is this is a pity call, <laughs> but that's all right. <laughs> no, I love no. it. I, I, yeah. I don't have any pride. I'll take a pity call anytime. Well, I'm glad to hear from you because you always have something good and interesting and and different takes on the scriptures and. And uh, so, no, no, I'm I'm excited to hear from you. Thank you for calling. What's up? Uh, well, I appreciate you saying that. And sometimes when I read the scriptures, I don't feel as good as uh, I guess as I should. I'm not sure if <laughs> people that were reading them actually knew what they were reading. For instance, uh, well, for instance, I, I do have some good news. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I, I was reading in Second Chronicles 34. I don't know if that's a little bit too far. Oh, that's around, all right. Uh, around 14, where it says, the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. Oh, and man. I spend hours and hours, not as much as I'd like, in in the Bible, in the Word of God, with two or three different uh, versions of, of the Bible, you know, because I compare words and everything. Mm-hmm. And so when I find, find something, they found this, guess what? We have it. We we have it today. All right, yeah, and we do. And so and so, 
you know, I was, I had jumped back to, um, that, you know, that was a good feeling, you know, for me, like when I find things, you know, when I spend time finding it. Oh, yeah. And, oh, by, by the way, I don't know if my wife was listening to me while I was sleeping or not, but we did order my new, uh, John MacArthur second edition study Good. Bible. Good, I know you were looking days. forward to getting that. Yeah, uh, I was looking. I'm just like a kid when it comes to his Bible stuff. But Second <laughs> uh, Corinthians chapter six, yeah, uh, it says, you know, it it says. Now you mean you mean you pray. mean you mean Corinthians? You don't need you don't mean Chronicles, right? I mean Chronicles. Is that oh, what I said? You said Corinthians, but okay. I meant Chronicles. Okay, all the C's look the same to me. <laughs> oh, that's all. Right. Those, oh, yeah, I know that. They're okay. similar. Second Chronicle chapter that's six. What verse? Six one. Uh-huh. It says, "Then Solomon prayed, O Lord, you have said that you would live in a thick cloud of darkness. Now I have built you a glorious temple. So it seems like Solomon was searching for God." And he wasn't going to find him or wasn't going to really relate to him the way he thought he was mm-hmm. until he found a place for him and had a place for God to come in a temple, uh, you know, a place. And this, if God is in a cloud of darkness, I'm, you know, with what's going on in my life now, I just wonder if God is still in that cloud of darkness. It just, I, you know, I'm not a little depressed or anything, but I'm just a little weary, you know, with everything going on and mm-hmm. all the time that all the nurses had spent checking temperatures, saving people lives on the front lines and everything that's going on in the news today. Mm-hmm. It just it just kind of makes me sick. And, and maybe God's just going to stay in the dark cloud until we figure it out. You know, I just can't believe God's people. Uh, who is God's people today? And um, that's basically all I wanted to say. I got a lot more stuff, but... I was thinking, um, oh, you mentioned that man that touched the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, you remember? Uh, yeah. I think I heard it. I heard it in your show, actually. Do you remember was, his name? Was, I don't remember his name, but I know why he died. You know, because he, not that he he touched it because of of sin. Supposedly, right. if the Ark would have would because of his sin, because if the Ark would have hit the ground, nothing would have happened yeah, to it because yeah. the ground doesn't have sin. Right. Something. That might be a little Jewish stuff I've heard yeah, in the show. Yeah, past. sure. I, I, rem- I remember that, learning that as well from my Hebrew teacher, my Jewish teachers, you know, through the years. Now, uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to mention that what you showed us there in uh, Chronicles, of course, the, the 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 companion passage, if you look over in 1 Kings chapter 8, uh, that's, that's it's telling that same story of the ark being brought to the temple and in Solomon prayed and said, "O oh Lord, you ha- you said that you would live in a thick cloud of darkness. Now I have built a glorious temple for you, a place where you can live forever." Now, if you remember, do you remember uh, what what caused what put it? See, th- this idea to build a temple for God was not Solomon's idea, right? It was David, wasn't it? David actually thought about. He was the first one who thought to. And, and why did David think of building it? Do you recall the motivation that David expresses uh, as to why he wanted to build a temple? And then, and then, 
the the prophet that was tending to him at that time said went, said do what's in your heart to do god has ble- heard you and blessed you but do you remember the sentiment that david expressed when he had the idea of building a temple you know i really don't he uh, said he said god you know i i live in a, a, a splendid a, Temple, uh, a palace. I live in a beautiful palace, and and yet your house is a little tent. You know, a little the tabernacle. Oh, I remember. Remember that, now, yeah. and, and he says, "I, I, mm-hmm. I want to, my in my heart, I want to build you a great temple to to be worshipped." And then the prophet went to him and said, "God has heard your prayer," and 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 so on. So you can see this expression by Solomon may be a little bit of. A, I don't know. It had a little bit to do with maybe what David had told him as a child or a young man. Uh, it may come off of that a little bit. I'm not quite sure. There's no direct um, correlation between you know what David's prayer there and what he said. I, I don't. I I'm don't. Sure. I don't recognize. Maybe our friend Jacob would recognize where uh, this idea that you you uh, would live in a thick cloud of darkness now have built a glorious temple. I don't know about that idea that you have said you would live in a thick cloud of darkness. Mm-hmm. I suspect. I'm there, sure he would know. I'm sure he does know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I miss that that part of the show. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, that part where he hears, uh, recognizes that quote or that idea from from yeah. other parts of the scripture, or maybe just uh, from you know the Jewish history and understanding. Maybe that's the uh, the way it was understood, but. Yeah, um, Solomon uh, prays that prayer. Uh, this is a beautiful prayer in chapter six of Second Chronicles, a prayer of dedication. Um, my father David wanted to build this temple to honor your name. Uh, you wanted to build the temple to honor. Your intention is good, but you are not the one to do it. One of your sons will build the temple. This, this, and then Solomon's prayer of dedication is so beautiful. And uh, the dedication of the temple. And in that wonderful verse, chapter 7, 14, if my people, if we are being judged, if we disobey God and and, and God has to discipline us or uh, brings judgment upon us, there's always forgiveness. If we will humble ourselves and pray and t- seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, God is eager and willing to forgive us and restore us. That's That's an amazing, amazing truth. One of the most one of the most remarkable truths I think I remember uh, Jacob used to tell us that one of the most amazing things about when Moses went up on the Mount Sinai and he came back down and they had built the, the golden calf and and he uh, threw down those tablets and they were broken the first set of the Ten Commandments and then he went back up on the mountain he prayed and and God heard his prayer and he, and got another set of of the uh, the uh, Ten Commandments brought them back down mm-hmm. the mountain, and, and and the people of Israel, the the, one, the great lesson they got out of that was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that that Moses was reintroducing them to, was a God of forgiveness. You know, all of the gods well, of would, Egypt they didn't forgive. You know, you messed up. You know, you were slaughtered or something. But the God of the God of, of the Scriptures is a God of forgiveness. And he if is, I remember yeah, beautiful correctly, uh, you know uh, about that calf. Uh, and I don't know if I'm partial or not, but it, that the uh, calf was was built in the image of the other the foreign people's god yeah, exactly. of that time. Yeah, you know, and so they were the ones that built that. Right, I'm, exactly. I'm not saying everybody is perfect, but that's just the way the story is supposed to go. Oh yeah. You know? 
but, but the know, deep truth so that was after their God. Oh yeah, but the deep truth there was that wow, there's forgiveness, there's restoration. You don't, you know, it's not one strike and you're out. It's you know, you, God is a God of forgiveness, uh, the God, of, the God of. Uh, so that's amazing, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah, we uh, yeah. and we all are grateful for that because we all need His forgiveness. You know, we really do. Well, I'm so glad you called, Harold. Good to hear from you. I hope you all and right. your family are I'm all well. I'm doing the best I can. Any yeah, ideas? I hope everything's okay. How you? How you? Th- what are you thinking about this? This uh, Corona thing. What's going on? Yeah, you got some thoughts about it or not? Well, I guess I would have to say it's time to get back to work. Uh, I think it's been time to get back to work. Uh, I have been back to work. I can Mm -hmm. tell you I feel good Mm -hmm. being back to work and doing the job I do. Like I said last week, I do know that people seem a little nervous, but once they're there a few days, everybody's walking around together. You know, and my son works at him and his wife both work at Lockheed Air Force Base. You know where you have the guys there, right? In the Air Force, and they he he's been working from home for three months, and he's anxious to get back to work. Also, yeah. oh, we all oh, are. He yeah. is working at home, and um, but I think it's I think it's going to be great. You know, we get back to work, get those restaurants open. So I can go eat some more fish at Bud Jones. I think their restaurant is open though. All right, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's time. Okay. You know, hey, listen, got, do you wear the mask and do what you can. That's right. Do you know who the man was that allowed the Ark of the Covenant to be kept in his house? I heard you ask that question, and I was flipping all over the place. And I saw, I don't know how many names, his but na- I couldn't his, put the story to it. His name was, is Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. H. And Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. And he was rewarded by God. It's a very, it's a rewarding that it's kind of a blessing that you would be very much happy about. Do you remember what God did for him as a result of keeping the Ark of the Covenant in his home? Oh, I gotta say something. Uh, he gave him a copy of the John MacArthur Study Bible. No, I don't know. I don't. Honestly, I don't know. But. John would love your answer, but that's not it. He had he had sixty two sons and grandsons. He, God blessed his family, you know. And of course, in that time, in that era, children and particularly sons was a point of wealth because they represented workers and you know wealth and income. Uh, it was uh, in that particular era, in that time of history, he had sixty-two mm-hmm. sons and grandsons. We don't know how many granddaughters as well, but uh, he was blessed in his family life because he took the Ark of the Covenant into his home. It's, a, it's a, I think, one of those wonderful little lessons, wonderful little blessings we see uh, in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in the Bible. In, in, you know, in the New Testament, we're told that children are, in the, in the Psalms, we're told children are a gift from God, they're a blessing. And that's just a little reminder of it for us, I guess, from the book well, of Well, that's Second for Chronicles. sure. Yep. You know, they are a blessing. You know? That's right. That's for sure. All well, right, my friend. Thanks for taking my call. I hope somebody else calls in. So yeah, love to hear from them. You've set a good example for them. Thank you for calling. All right. All right. Thanks, Harold, for calling in. Our good friend. He's calling and followed the broadcast and this lover, of, a bibliophile, a friend of the scriptures for many, many years. It's always good to hear from him. Okay, folks. Now, what did David do that caused the other leaders of Israel to give generously to help build the temple? He didn't threaten them. He didn't hold a sword to them. He didn't uh, threaten to tax them. 
He didn't. Uh, he didn't do any of these things. What did David do that caused the other? And it didn't just encourage him. It caused them. It was the motivation. It caused the other leaders of Israel to give generously to help build a temple for their God. What did he do? Look in chapter twenty-nine of First Chronicles, chapter twenty-nine of First Chronicles, and he gave a huge offering himself, a generous offering. David gave to start the giving, and his example was one that encouraged the other leaders and the people of Israel to to give generously. To help them. Now, there's a companion question we could ask about that. What did David do to encourage the people of Israel to praise and worship God with fervency? You know, they didn't stand around with their hands in their pockets, you know, kind of mumbling the hymn that they were singing. They they worshiped God with fervency. They they lifted their hands to holy hands to the Lord and they and they they praised God and they they got involved emotionally, not just sort of standing there and listening passively. They got involved actively in the worship of God, in the position of their body. And even Solomon, when he uh, dedicated the temple, we looked in that passage in, in uh, uh, Chronicles when when Solomon dedicated the temple, he bound he he gave that prayer to God on his knees. The king fell on his knees before God. I mean, what a tremendous symbol! What how big that must have appeared to the people of the nation. That you know, if what if in our in our land in our nation, if uh, you know. The, the president is talking to us in, like Lincoln or or any of the great presidents through the year, or even our president now, our president now, if he's talking to us and, and goes to prayer, what if our president were to bow in the knee before God in prayer? I mean, what a statement that symbolic motion, body position would be. Well, that's what Solomon did. He bowed before God. And now David did the same thing. He worshiped God with fervency, with joy, with delight, with feeling. And it encouraged the people to praise and worship God in the same way. You find that in First Chronicles chapter 29. All right, who was it? I'm answering some of the questions now so that uh, I don't want them to go unanswered. Some of you want to know who this is. Who was it that that God said, I'll give you anything you ask for? You know, remember the old, all the stories about the genie that rubbed the bottle in Aladdin's lamp, and he says, oh, you get three wishes, anything you want, you know. And kids were always, as little children, were always asking, us, what would I ask? If I had three wishes, I would, if God said to me, you know, well, God actually says to Solomon, uh, if you, anything you ask for, I will I will give to you. And so he didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for uh, all of those things that we possibly could think of. He said, I, I ask you for wisdom to rule properly over your people, over my people, and since he's going to be the king. And God honored that and gave him, Solomon, great wisdom. And, and uh, of course, Solomon didn't do everything with it he should have done. Uh, he had received great wisdom and insight from God, but... He didn't live it out consistently through his life. It's a lot of times we see that in God's people that we're given a tremendous blessing from God. We have tremendous power. Which God has given us some incredible promises that we could we could ask Him for anything according to His will, and He hears us and answers us. Jesus said, "Ask, seek, knock; it will be given to you. It be uh, you will find it, and, and the knock and the door will be open to you." And and yet, do we? 
You know, and the same thing we see. Solomon had this great wisdom from God, but he didn't use it consistently throughout his life. No doubt about it. Uh, he married so many people that you know God had told him and warned him about marrying foreign wives and he, many many wives and concubines, and it compromised his faith. It compromised his walk with God, and it ended up compromising the faith and and the uh, Christ, the believing walk of God's people there in Israel. So uh, Solomon, but Solomon was the one who asked for wisdom instead of great riches. Um, Now then, there's some other details here I ask you in my questions. If anyone would like to answer any of them, don't hesitate to give me a call. Um, Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem on a mountain where Abraham, the same mountain where Abraham had almost sacrificed his son Isaac many centuries before. Isn't there anybody who remembers the name of the mountain where Abraham was called to sacrifice his son? Doesn't anybody remember the name of that mountain? Their songs are written about it. Hmm. I'm going to leave it out there. Just a few more minutes. If you'd like to give me the name of that mountain, what you probably didn't know is that it's the same mountain that the temple was built on in Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? Mm, it's a lot of symbolism there, don't you think? Uh, remember uh, the sacrifice. God was uh, Abraham was to sacrifice his son, and yet the angel stopped him when he, he was willing to do so. And in his heart, he did. He gave his son up. In his heart, he had, he had made that decision, but God stopped him before the child was killed, and. Uh, and what remember that that uh, uh, Isaac had asked his father Abraham, Father, we we have uh, the fire, we have the the altar, and he said, but where's the uh, sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide. Uh, and uh, true to form, God provided the substitute for Isaac. Uh, there was a ram with his horns caught in in the uh, bushes, and they found him, and they offered. He was he was offered as a sacrifice to the Lord in an act of worship. Uh, so we have a beautiful, a lot of beautiful symbolism there because uh, the same thing happened in Israel many centuries later when the Messiah came, the Redeemer, the Savior, and he was offered up as a sacrifice for us uh, right there in Jerusalem as well. So hmm, interesting, interesting. Uh the name of the mountain, I hadn't got a call, the name of the mountain is Moriah. Moriah. Remember this song about uh, that mountain. Uh, that is the name of the mountain where Abraham almost sacrificed his son Isaac many centuries before. And it's the name of the mountain upon which the temple was built in Jerusalem. Now, also on that same mountain, there was a property uh, that was belonged to one of the Jebusites. This was the people that lived in Jerusalem and peopled, uh, populated the city of Jerusalem before David and the people of Israel conquered it, uh, the Jebusites. And there was a man named Arauna the Jebusite. May have been a convert uh, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't know. We're not told much about him. But David purchased the site it was being used as a threshing floor look in second chronicles chapter 3 verse 1 now threshing floor if you remember what they did you read about it in the story of gideon for example gideon 
was also uh, the story. The uh, a threshing floor was normally on a high place, like on a, a mountaintop or level area, and it was swept clean. And what they would do is they would bring in the the grain, the wheat or the oats or whatever barley, whatever the grain was that they were uh, they were uh, harvesting. They would bring in the grain and they would. Uh, of course, on their area, they would walk on it and you know to break the the uh, to break the the shell around the grain, and then they would use a threshing uh, a winnowing fork. They would toss the grain up into the air, and usually there would be a wind that would blow across this this high area, and it would carry away uh, the the shell, It'd carry away the dust and all that was around the grain. And what would fall back to the threshing floor would be the grain itself for making bread and so on. So that was the Arauna the Jebusite sold the the, uh, threshing floor to David. And he wanted to give it to him, but David says, I can't offer to the Lord something that didn't cost me anything. Beautiful, Beautiful picture in that as well for us. Well, that's all the time we have in our look at... First and Second Chronicles tonight. Thank you for being along with us. We're going to continue forward to Ezra, Nehemiah, and next week we'll be here again. You join us. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.